0: Tanshi folks, welcome to episode six of Research Time. We have a pretty good installment for you today, so um, I'm just waiting for our uh, our uh, co-presentee co to also come about and to uh, join us with this conversation. I think it's going to be a really good one. Hi, right, Tanshi, Andy. Hi, how are you? I'm so happy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. I am too.
1: <laughs> How's your quarantine going? Uh, it's going okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess as well as can be expected. Mm,
0: that's the one. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, but I'm you- fine. Yeah? It's fine. My cats are really enjoying that. I'm home a lot, which is nice. That's lovely. What are your cats' names? Um, so I have two black cats and their names are Nemki, which is Ojibwe for Thunderbird, Mm. and Wasagan, which is Ojibwe for there's Lightning. So I have Thunder and Lightning. Oh, that is so beautiful. I love that. And I should preface that by saying I am Ojibwe, I didn't just (laughs) decide that I wanted to do that.
0: No, that's that's good to mention, that's really good to mention. (laughs) Oh, that's adorable! Do they like make a lot of ruckus at You know, at night as well. So, do they have a lot of crash oh, and yeah, thunders?
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Nemki's quite loud. Um, yeah, and then Wasi's kind of—I don't know if he's fast because he's kind of fat, but he is—he is, he is uh, stealthy when he wants to be, or quick when he wants to be. <laughs> that's adorable <laughs> <laughs> that, like same like adorable
0: Awesome. well again Andy it's always lovely talking with you thank you so much for being able to join me today for research time um so again as we got started to um, uh, at least I'm currently
1: on treaty 7 where are you located I am also located on Treaty Seven.
0: Treaty Seven, too, fabulous. So I'll do a land acknowledgement for, for the both of us. Then, so yeah. uh, we are currently uh, located on the traditional territory of Mohkinsis, uh which is Treaty Seven territory, which belongs to the Blackfoot Confederacy, of Siksika, Gainai, Bugani, uh, also uh, hosts uh, and ho- is home too, to to Yahe Nakoda, which is Stony Nakoda, and uh, Sitena Nation. Uh, We acknowledge that this territory is also home to Métis Nation Region 3 of Alberta. Uh, This nation is one at least I am connected to, so along with my ancestral ties to uh, Treaty 1, of course. So finally, we acknowledge that all nations Indigenous and non who work, live, work and play on this land, uh, who helped to steward this land, honor it, celebrate it, and that is why these conversations are also very important to host on these, on this land too. So again, thank you so much for being able to join me, Andy. And if it's possible, would you like to introduce yourself, who you
1: are, <laughs> what you're up to? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, bonjour, bonjour, hello. Uh, my name is Andy Stefanato. Um, What else should I say? I met uh, Madeline when we were both in our undergrad for our Bachelor of Education. Um, I'm currently working as a substitute teacher in Calgary and I'm also in school for my master's degree in educational foundations. So that's um, basically diversity and inclusivity in education. Uh, I also work with the Kinkanats which is an improv company in Calgary. I work as their uh, executive Director or Co-Executive Director of um, Calgary Improv School, as well as the EBI, which is Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Coordinator um, with them.
0: Wow. So basically, you're fabulous all around and that's <laughs> truly just amazing. Wow, that's that's actually phenomenal too, right? Yeah, thank you, That's well, you're making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> But alongside all, the, all this too, not only all of this are you doing, but you're also like a master student as well. So you're also going through this form of like research and this journey of research. So how how has that been also for you?
1: That's been interesting. It's like it's definitely a different kind of education than I think I've experienced before. Uh, which is always really interesting. And just the idea of writing a thesis and conducting that kind of research is like terrifying and exciting all at the same time, which I guess is a good sign. (laughs) But I really do (laughs) want to focus my research around um, fine arts education and indigenizing and decolonizing fine arts education.
0: That's wonderful. It's needed. And I think that also... um is is in different capacities also highlighted in in the article that we will be discussing here too is is that Mm -hmm. notion of like it's not necessarily stated in the article but it's kind of like owning up to it in ways which is talking about anti-racist pedagogy and also with like that that notion of decolonization and it's it's really needed it's necessary especially with what is going on in terms of black lives matter and especially in terms of like the trc so these are all relevant, needed conversations that need to occur within sure. these spaces and and it, it's folks like you that will definitely make a, a beautiful impact and already need an, an impact that you are making within your capacity too, along with your with your organization. cute little kitty cat off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he thinks every time I'm on the phone, it's for him. Can you. <laughs> Not you. Thank you. It's so cute. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fabulous well um, so with, with that too and thank you very much for being able to, uh, to share your, your background here but uh, uh, here's the article that we're also going to be uh, deconstructing uh, together too which is called uh, Deconstructing Diversity uh, Professional Development for Elementary Teachers uh, this uh, article is by Sonia Ajla Boulard um, and she's, she's actually on an anti-racist uh, Council for Alberta itself as well. So she's very um, she's like an advocate in, in this capacity so it's actually quite wonderful that we are uh, talking about this article and you know the ways in which that we are too and it's exciting. Um, the article itself um, is talking about professional development opportunities for educators and how to actually program it with I guess ethical considerations for the voices who need to be heard within it, Um, so the author, she talks about um, how indigenous voices are shared within it, but then she also talks about how she was able to, and along with coordinators, able to bring uh, the folks, the participants, uh, which are teacher educators uh, themselves. Um, to go to uh, uh, like a, um, a mosque and then also to a Sikh temple so they talked about um, what that experiences was like as well um, mm-hmm. and and how that was um, I guess needed in, in these ways as the participants really valued it and they really appreciated what they were learning from from this actual first-handed experiences
1: So yeah. So uh, what did you find interesting about the article? What did you think? Well, let me just pull up my notes because I printed them off so that I wouldn't forget anything when I got in front of a camera. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) I think the first thing that struck me for this was that idea that teachers are often really uncomfortable around culturally responsive teaching when it includes a culture that they're not familiar with or that they don't have a lot of experience with right and that's not to say that we shouldn't have those kinds of experiences because obviously they're valuable and just because I don't have experience with that doesn't mean no anybody else does right, um, right. my students could but it was just that idea of I think a lot of the time we kind of back away from something that we're scared. I could offend somebody. I could get it wrong. Um, I don't know enough about this, so I shouldn't attempt it. So it was just that idea was kind of interesting to me in the article. Absolutely, <laughs> that's uh,
0: that's very much similar to what I found too. Um, and then also how it's it's lovely to see academic works where researchers are able to also position themselves within the research. So Mm -hmm. I was loving how uh, Sonia, she was able to also put herself within it as well and also first-handedly share her experiences because that's kind of what connects to the PD opportunities in itself too. It's also talking about those personal experiences as well, so it really highlights the need uh, for it. So um, it's really, yeah, it's quite phenomenal to see it just because even that perspective in itself is very uh, a decolonized uh, perspective in in, in regards mm-hmm. to research so it's uh it's really great to see i love seeing that in action and actually learning from it because i <laughs> i learned through listening to stories so it's it's that, that was
1: really beautiful mm-hmm. to, to definitely see yeah and it's reassuring to know that even when you're conducting this kind of research or when you're going through these ideas you can still be learning right Like that idea that we're lifelong learners, we're not ever going to stop learning and growing, even when we're the one writing the research, I just thought was reassuring as a grad student, but also just as an educator, the idea that you don't have to be considered an expert on something in order to learn more about it.
0: I love that. I love that. It is a continuous learning <laughs> journey. And it is about, like, yeah, we don't have all the answers. Who does? Like, yeah. <laughs> these are actually,
1: like, important notions. I want to meet that person, mind. but I don't think they exist. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I want to try. <laughs>
0: So it's, it's, perfect. it's a perfect, it's a perfect way to go about it because we are all learning, we are all going through that process of becoming mm-hmm. of and getting to know and we're all in that learning journey. So I guess that brings us to, to the next question here, which is talking about uh, what does it mean for teachers and their ability to be equitable uh, to all students in the classroom? Like how can these uh, beautiful notions of always learning support students also within their own learning journeys? and how to be equitable. Mm,
1: yeah, there's a couple things with that that I thought of. The first being like that we want to make sure that uh, PD opportunities for teachers are authentic um, experiences, especially when we're talking about culturally responsive learning. You know, it's not enough to just check a box, I've learned about it, um, but we actually have to be able to engage with it on- authentically and then bring it into the classroom authentically. Um, we need to be able to accept I think uh, that there's more than one way of like thinking and knowing and learning Um, and we need to be able to go you know even if this isn't my way this is something that is going to that I need to know and I need to be able to help my students with right Um, we already have some practices in mind like from those like we have the universal design for learning and like 21st century learner traits which are already designed to kind of bring in some of those multiple ways of knowing and learning, Um, but we need to move, I think, in my opinion, um, I think part of it is we need to move a little bit further into the culturally responsive aspect of multiple ways of knowing. Um, So like UDL and 21st century are like amazing for um, one way if we're considering only like colonial views or only like kind of white view. Um, but we can also use that and add our culturally responsive learning in order to make sure that's kind of equitable for all of our students, right?
0: Absolutely. That and that, No, it's beautiful. It's beautiful and it's, it's very necessary and it's your perspective. And it's a, it's a perspective I agree with. So it's definitely, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely about the culture in the classroom, like for, for the ability to then be equitable to your students you have to know your students and what their needs are first-handedly mm-hmm. and that does consider relationship building and now that there's covid of course and you know as as we now see what what, what is getting passed then with um with uh, the government here uh with the ucp we see that the students will then be able to go back to school come the fall so now what is that going to look like I'm curious or will we then digress again back into that technological phase of connecting Mm. through online means say if the cases do go up in that capacity so there's a lot to think about I think um, with this and how to be equitable but I think the main for me at least personally and and when I was um, educating and being a part of this process was Ensuring I knew my students, ensuring that I knew their history and in in, in a proper way, in a professional way, of course. Um, But with that responsibility, I I think is very Mm -hmm. good and necessarily. And that's how you also become culturally like relevant and understanding and empathetical in, in that way as well
1: yeah it even goes like it's can be such a simple thing like eye contact right knowing your students and knowing how they make eye contact or how they don't is such a small thing but it means so much in the context of your classroom right like knowing your students well enough to know that just because this person doesn't make eye contact doesn't mean they're not listening or if this person makes a lot of it that means something else. Like just knowing your students well enough and going back to like, this can be a cultural thing. This can be an emotional thing, um, right? But yeah, I think you're right. It just goes down to knowing your students well enough to know what they need and what their tells are and their signs are um, just really helps you to make sure that you're equitable for your entire classroom.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And um, thank you, thank you for 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 sharing your perspective with it too, I think it's. Uh, I think there's a lot with the UDL, and I think that there's a lot with um, <laughs> that with that pedagogy, right? Because it is a pedagogy, so it's definitely something that should be looked at through a different lens, as you say too, uh, where it shouldn't just be like this Eurocentric lens. It needs to be mm-hmm. more, and needs to apply to more, and to be deconstructed as as that way too. Yeah. So it's um, it's a really good consideration. I really appreciate that. So with the next question too, <laughs> it's so cool because it all just connects with each other. Um, mm-hmm. How can we enact ethical relationality, uh, which is a concept that is talking about how to be intentional with our relationships as history, as the present, to then move forward. So that's what ethical mm-hmm. relationality is all about. Is that? is the timeline and also our place within that timeline everyone has that place within that timeline um in educational settings like our classrooms and institutional learning spaces um and how can we use that potentially uh within these capacities Mm
1: -hmm. yeah um i think the biggest thing is like You're always learning, right? I always go back to this because this is like the foundation of my entire pedagogy. Um, but being able to listen to those who know more or know this, being willing to change and grow, and being willing to say that you were wrong, I think, Mm -hmm. is such a huge thing. And I think sometimes, as educators, I think we're really, really good at saying, you know, I don't know everything, and I think sometimes. Uh, the idea that a lot of people have that if you're an educator, you are like a genius and you know so much, I think kind of can get in your head sometimes to the point where you're going, I don't want to say I'm wrong or that I don't know something because I feel like I'm letting someone down if I do. All right. So just being, but that's not the case. We know that's not the case. It's stronger to be able to say, I don't know, or listen, I made a mistake or I was wrong about that and then be able to change from it, right? Um, I think is stronger, so really just being able to be uh, reflective and accept feedback and just always being able to grow and be better I think is our best bet for um... Enacting that kind of ethical
0: relationality. Relationality. Yeah, yeah. His uh, the the uh, the researcher that made it. His name is Dwayne Donald. Um, he's Plains Cree from Treaty Seven. I absolutely like adore him. I think like the way in which that he <laughs> like puts these concepts. But again, it's not talking about like the notion of reconciliation. It's talking about the notion of truth, and that truth mm-hmm. needs to occur through ethical relationships. It needs to happen through. Um, understanding your own personal past to because it does impact the present which will then again impact the future moving forward as well so it's it's like a big concept and you know Mm -hmm. again with like uh sonia's article too like it still has its place here as well where it's uh, talking about like uh pd opportunities for educators uh to then use within uh their own Learning communities, their own learning environments, and what that looks like. I'm so sorry. There's there's just uh, some background noise that's kind of distracting me. I'm just gonna close my window here. Uh, okay. <laughs> there. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, and <laughs> like a child yelling. I know they're having fun, but it's yeah. I hope they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. yeah that's always the
1: like is that a happy scream or is that a in pain scream uh-huh. it's like a 50 50 shot <laughs> yep that's My like hope an investigate further
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like the teacher in me just wants to like are you okay like
1: Ugh. yeah what's going on yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, but but in regards to like this this notion of like ethical relationality too, like it's 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 it connects to Sonia's uh, article in that way where it's talking about the environment, it's talking about the community and who is been impacted within the community and how it's like a it's an ongoing process, right? And it's like mm-hmm. what you said too, it's the feedback, it's the learning from and being able to be open minded to do that too, and that's yeah. really hard for a lot of teachers. To do to meet that within themselves, and it's hard for anyone honestly to just do in general. Like it's it's hard mm. to meet your discomfort, but it is within that place of discomfort where we learn the most.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So um, yeah, so that's that's on that question. And is there anything else that you think should be noted within within answering this question?
1: Um within that Uh, I think the idea of anything relationality just goes back to like the word relation right connection um, just kind of goes back to knowing your students and knowing your community and um, learning from that but also being willing and able to connect with your students on that like deep level right like you need that strong relationship for students and with students that's the biggest thing I would say for as an educator that you need to be able to do is have that connection right? Right. Right. That's first and foremost. um, Yeah. And especially like I think it's a little bit in my experience it's a little bit easier with like little kids because they think you're awesome and you just like as long as you're nice and you're um, and they know you care about them they're there Um, and then you get to like junior high and high school and it's like okay I actually like I need to Almost prove to you that I care about you, and it's so rewarding when you can. Uh, but it takes some time for sure.
0: Mm hmm, mm hmm. Don't I know that? <laughs> like goodness gracious, and it's 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 really difficult because I'm only coming from the practicum experience. Um, ex- experience mm. in itself, like I I, I personally didn't. Go the route of becoming a substitute teacher um, because I I just decided to like uh, pursue my master's in, on uh, unceded Algonquin yeah. territory. So I ended up going to Ottawa. So because mm-hmm. of that, though, like it's it's difficult because you have such a small amount of time with those kids during your practicum experience, yeah. and that's the only time you get with them, which is what only three months or even in third year it was only a month. Like it's it's so yeah. hard. <laughs> to build these relationships with them in such a short amount of time frame so you don't you want to say that you got to know your students and that you're being able to really be intentional within those interactions but it's really hard to see how they developed from your relationship and Mm -hmm. how that flourishes through the whole entire year that's why it's so rewarding to at at least from from what I can assume as being like a full-time teacher, how rewarding that relationship would actually be if you're you're really seeking that intentional relationality throughout the whole entire process and then seeing, you know, students' development throughout the whole entire year. I think that's really it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's lovely to see.
1: And kids remember that. Like even when I think back to being a student myself, there's not a single teacher that I have, like, I'm just neutral about, right? Like, you either liked them or you didn't. And there's, like, varying degrees of, like, liking someone and not liking someone, but it's never, never neutral, right? So everything we do has an impact, and I think that's super important to remember.
0: Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I do agree. I do, I do. It's beautiful. Um, so then that brings us to our next question, too. So how can we enact um this this uh this idea of like relationality then within virtual means so again due to covid what would be some considerations Mm -hmm. for educators to address uh for inclusionary actions practices uh relationship development what what are you thinking
1: um well the first thing that came to mind was um bringing in kind of like experts or knowledge keepers um, as kind of guests in the room which is actually kind of almost easier when you're when you have this because you're not limited to if they're in town or if they're like you know what I mean if you can carve out like an hour of your day to be in front of your computer um, that's so valuable and I think like it can really be helpful um, would be kind of my first thing again I wrote notes on this I don't know yeah and then maybe <laughs> Um, just the idea of like research projects or projects around like students themselves Mm -hmm. I think would be ideas that we can implement, um, like due to COVID, obviously we're not in the classroom, but research projects are like your best friend when you're online is my opinion, um, just because you have the ability, like if the students have a computer and an internet connection, they have the ability to do a research project. And as long as we're teaching about like research and authentic research some of the things that students will come up with of like any age is so amazing
0: yes i completely (laughs) agree like it's it's actually unbelievable when you give a student like an idea or like a topic and then they'll just just go they're just like yeah okay I'll, I'll <laughs> dive deep into it especially if they're interested in it right so if they're passionate in it and mm-hmm. they really like what they're learning they will be definitely um, almost like a leader for their own learning and be able to go through yeah. that process of research for themselves like it's really beautiful to see and I know with you know with our training to uh, to become teachers as well we were uh, we were almost um, programmed to teach about inquiry uh research inquiry design for learning right so it's that questioning everything being critical of everything is very important for students to also uh, think about and to also incorporate within their learning means so if this is a way that it can be transitioned to online means so being able to conduct research or to create like a research project through online means where there's more opportunity sometimes especially with add-ons or with uh, websites um, for them to use it's kind of it's, it's up to them whatever that that looks like as long as they're following you know the guidelines what that is set with the mm. teacher and also them so it's like a, a mutual relationship in that way too um, I think they're set to go
1: yeah and it connects to like that relationship building as well right like because you're giving them permission to speak to something that they care about right they know that you care about them as a person uh and that could be anything like honestly if it's within the confines of what we've set out as the expectation for the project if a student were to talk to me about a video game that they have been playing a lot like did the research on that that i'm awesome i love that please do that (laughs) (laughs) minecraft i'm here for it (laughs) and how amazing is it to be able to in school talk about something that you're passionate about right
0: absolutely it's it's so beautiful again it, it it comes down to like a teacher really like building that relationship so if that teacher cares about their students and wants them to succeed well it's a beautiful way to show that you can honor them through allowing them to talk about what mm-hmm. they also want to talk about and what they want to learn about um, while still because like I know we're still mandated to to still follow curriculum guidelines so, so there's a lot of ways where curriculum can actually enhance this learning too so yeah. it's It just needs to be further explored and I don't know if it is the notion of reinventing the wheel because I know that's also tossed out around as well as, oh, the wheel's already made and there's all these resources you can (laughs) use. Go ahead and use them rather than making it more difficult for yourself to... Uh, create new lesson plans or new teachings for your students within the classroom, but mm-hmm. I think it's almost giving students a disservice when teachers don't do that. Sometimes, like it needs, it's okay to reinvent the wheel, but collaborate with your colleagues to then reinvent the wheel. So again, you're not putting too much pressure on yourself, but instead you're doing it in collaboration, an ethical yeah, process. I don't think
1: it's- At that point, I don't think it's reinventing the wheel so much as replacing the tire. Like, we're not (laughs) starting from zero. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We're not starting from zero. We're not going, I'm completely getting rid of everything that's happened in the past. We're going, let's replace it with something that's the same thing, but like, it's the same curriculum, but it's more meaningful and it's more to students today. Right? Like I would even go, I was not in school all that long ago. Um, I I would not want to teach my grade 6 class, let's say, exactly the same way I was taught in grade 6 because it's not the same world for them.
0: Right. Right. That's completely fair. And also with, like, um, social studies too, like, it's just, especially with the incorporations of what a lot of people are now talking about too, with, like, anti-racist pedagogy, like... Uh, Learning about Africville, for example, I had Mm -hmm. no idea. I had no clue. I had no (laughs) clue until I did the research. Right? Like Mm -hmm. that's not okay. Like we're doing our kids a disservice because these things are not being taught. Same with residential schools. Like uh, the if if any at all. I know that some people that I've spoken with uh, throughout the years, like some of them have said that. Their classrooms did talk about residential schools, but for the vast majority of friends that I have talked with and colleagues in the field, a lot of them have not. So even that mm-hmm. is a conversation um, to 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 also address in, the, in these ways. But I like how you said it. It's not reinventing the wheel. It's just replacing the tire. But Oh golly, that tire needs like a change. Like it yeah. needs.
1: <laughs> like it's not safe to drive on, but I'm not suggesting we completely change what it is. Right. <laughs> I love
0: that, and I think that's a that's a perfect framework to, to put that in. I love that.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> no, you. I'm do that. Uh, <laughs> I hope that's okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Please. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Um, so again, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the last questions that we have for tonight aside from the questions that viewers would like to ask too is um, how can we enact you know, this, this form of uh, teacher education, this form of deconstructing diversity um, in our lives, in our conversations with families, in our learning communities, uh, especially in terms of what is going on with uh, Black Lives Matter and also with uh, the DRC, what's mm-hmm. what's uh, being advocated for in that way.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, anti-racist ped- pedagogy is huge. And the understanding of your social location, like your own, and then also the social locations of your students um, and your school community is just so important when we're talking about culturally responsive teaching, I think. Um, it's just a matter of like, I think the hardest thing sometimes is to go not everyone has the same perspective and not everyone has the same way of knowing and we need to be able to not only accept that but integrate multiple ways of knowing multiple perspectives into our schools right and then I guess another thing would be again with that whole um, not reinventing the wheel but we need to start looking at sources of knowledge that are not just from a Eurocentric perspective, I think. So a really easy example I can think of is if we're doing a novel study, let's look for authors that are not the same thing that we've been doing, that are not necessarily from a Eurocentric perspective, maybe are indigenous or are immigrant or some like from a different part of the world entirely, right? um just bringing in that variety of perspectives and normalizing that there's a variety of perspectives and that's not just one way
0: i think that's beautiful and i think that's wonderful and i think that's so undercredited as well for the i think possibilities of it and a lot of people need to (sighs) really consider that it's the perspectives of other people of other colleagues of other peers of other human beings of this planet (laughs) as we are not the only two in this world andy it's more than us and (laughs) and your kitty cats but what needs to be further addressed too is the notion that everyone does come from their own background everyone comes from their own practices Mm -hmm. everyone from comes from their own cultures their own teachings their own beings of just living in this world and having the experiences that they do so because of that it's it's where opportunities and possibilities are and can be very used I guess is is again connecting to the article of like Sonia too is the is how PD training can also offer that means of talking about other folks' experiences even within the room that they're in as well. I think when we talk about teaching, when we talk about education, it's really good to know the folks who are in the room who are teaching with you, who are practicing um, education with you, and Mm -hmm. how it can also be like a means for creating their own community, even in that way. Because when you share who you are, when you share your your experiences of course to the limit that you feel comfortable and sharing it within too because that's always important to have your own boundaries but being able to still share that aspect of you and what maybe brought you to teaching or whatever the case um can really open the door for new conversations it could open the door yes. for new possibilities um and also for new um new learning new education to come into our minds and for us to be like, wow, I didn't think of that. And thank you very much for being able to share that perspective with me. I'll now be able to think about that when I go about my intentions with the world around me. When I go about my situations, when I go through my experiences with the world around me, I'll keep your experience at the back of my mind as I move forward.
1: Yes, and the same with you and the same for hopefully everyone that you meet, right? Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs)
0: Do <laughs> you have anything you'd like to also explore further, Andy? Mm, I don't
1: think so. It's not that I don't want to explore. It, it's just I can't think of anything like specifically right now. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, what are you wanting to pursue within your master's? So how do you think that this article can also inform your uh, what, your research within, within um, your master's?
1: Um, Like I said, with my masters, I really am looking at uh, decolonizing and indigenizing education, specifically fine art. Um, If I go on to pursue further education, I expect that I'll probably branch out a little bit from that, but I think this article is helpful for me in that it kind of describes, you know, we already, or we don't already know, but I'm learning about you know, why we need to teach anti-racist pedagogy and why we need to be culturally responsive in the classroom. But this started to go into the next step, right? Well, how do we do that? Which I think is so important with research because it's great if we have this theory, um, but if we don't have anything to back it up, it just stays theory, right? It doesn't move to the next thing. It doesn't become something in our classes, in our schools, and it really needs to. So I love this because it was very clear of like, Here's the next step, here's how we here's one way of approaching this, which I just thought was awesome. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And
0: that's one thing that I've also considered too when when conducting research, where does the practice come in? Because this knowledge is really beautiful and it's really important to see and to <sighs> witness. But then how can folks actually use it down the line and how can this impact community? Um so it's it's good that Mm -hmm. you know you're working towards that in your own beautiful way with fine arts and I think that there's like a lot of, you know, possibilities, opportunities for it to be synergistic with with (laughs) decolonization because it's really allowing I guess, students to be their authentic selves, already putting so much out on the line for just sharing, you know, who they are and their practice and their art of, of them, mm. right? Like, you're performing in yeah. front of people. <laughs> like, that takes a lot out of you. Like, that, for... It's just... For sure. Oh! To <laughs> <laughs> so approach that with, like, the decolonized framework is very substantial, and I'm I'm... I'm very curious to see how you're going to progress and what you're going to find with your research. I think it's going to be very cool to so read. I.
1: Yeah. I. am I'm excited to see what happens with it.
0: <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I think it'll be a really great, really great uh, contribution to the field for sure. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Well, um, I know that we only have two viewers, but if anyone wants to ask us any questions, you're more than welcome to.
1: Yeah, is there anybody? Oh, no, nobody here. I was going to call someone out if they, if I knew them personally, but I don't.
0: <laughs> I saw Sierra pop on, but popped off.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and then I saw a colleague pop on and then leave and I was like, oh, he just, he either accidentally clicked it or he was like, what's she doing on Instagram? She never does that. (laughs) I'm curious. (laughs) Yeah, okay, let's see what's going on here.
0: (laughs) That's perfect. Okay, um, no questions, I'm going to assume. Maybe? Yes, no? Yeah.
1: I have a question what are you planning on focusing your research around or what are you already doing if you're started so right now
0: I'm inside the proposal uh, process so what I'm going to be looking at is supporting the work of an organization inside of Ottawa and aligning Mm -hmm. while supporting their alignment and seeing if there's you know possibilities considerations the whole process of like evaluation of how their resources and their campaigns can be directed to specific curriculum outcomes of the Ontario curriculum, just because that's where the organization is originally based. Although it is national, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it, it is what it is right now. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's looking at um, that framework to see if there's any, uh, I guess, support means for support in that way. So it is coming through, like it's an indigenous uh, organization too. So it's, uh, geared towards supporting indigenous youth within campaigns and advocacy of their rights of their freedoms of their identity their sovereignty and uh, supporting these these children these youth these advocates uh to then have the conversations and the ability to then use their voices to then use it uh for uh legislative uh conversations and uh, advocacy in that way so it's very cool organization they're called the caring society Um, and it's led by uh, dr. Cindy Blackstock who is uh, an indigenous uh, woman from um, uh, from BC so she's uh, she's she's a major advocate for uh, for uh, us for children in general and youth uh, uh, for indigenous youth across the nation and uh, uh, indigenous peoples across the nation too and uh, she really does care about Social work, as well. She was a social mm-hmm. worker too, so she has uh, that background and also those experiences to to also cater her her findings within. So it's uh, very rooted in systemic issues and systemic problems that uh, that we see, unfortunately. But it's it's important to to give children their their voices, their rights, and their uh, possibilities for. Uh, for future advocacy, too. So it's it's
1: good to start them young, I say. So I yeah. like that. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds amazing. That's going to be such an amazing contribution to the field. Thank you. Thank- I'm excited. I think it's yeah. going to be
0: very cool to see that in action. So it's uh, it's starting. So that's good. I'm on my proposal. So it's like, hmm. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> she needs some refinement. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, Marcy, thank you so much, Andy, for being able to join me. It's always so lovely to talk with you. I miss you, and I'm so appreciative that you're able to join me today, and I hope hope to chat with you soon again, too. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you for inviting me. This was awesome. I was really looking forward to this, so thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Anytime. Anytime. Mm awesome <laughs> well thank you again andy and thank you folks for listening as always i hope that you learned something new today and i hope that whatever you have learned and if you're willing to meet it with your own discomfort that is such a fabulous practice and i hope that you continue with it thank you so much and uh watch thank you folks mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome bye andy